This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Master. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's a weekly podcast with a favorite conversation from the week. And this week, it was with Dan Blumenthal, Director of Asian Studies at the conservative think tank American Enterprise Institute. He's former Senior Director for China, Taiwan, and Mongolia at the Department of Defense. He also served as a Commissioner on the Congressionally Mandated U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission. Well, he's got a new book out. It's called The China Nightmare, The Grand Ambitions of a Decaying State. Dan notes in his book's introduction that he wrote his book mainly to accurately diagnose the exact nature of the challenge that China poses to the U.S. and its allies. Check it out. There's no doubt that China has viewed us as its main rival for global power for a very long time. And we've we've just woken up uh, to, to that in the last uh, four or five years. I wanted to put out this book uh, to argue just exactly what kind of uh, rival it is. So it's it's not just ascendant and strong, although it's very formidable, but it also has, it's beset by many weaknesses and frustrations. And uh, because of that, it's compensating for some of these internal weaknesses by lashing out on the world stage in very dangerous ways. So why do you call it the China nightmare then? Well, the nightmare scenario is... It's strong enough, which it is right now, to cause lots of global instability, to do what it's doing, lashing out uh, in Taiwan Strait, taking Mm -hmm. over Hong Kong, uh, Australia. But it's also got uh, a whole set of weaknesses inside that is accelerating its path to lashing out and, and trying to externalize external problems, distract its population from many of those internal problems. What's really fascinating to me is that they are at this point, right, where they want to play, it feels like, more on the global stage, be thought of not for being the manufacturer to the world, but really developing those higher tech economies, industries, sectors, if you will. At the same time, it does feel like they're pushing back as well. That's right. There is a contradiction there. On on the one hand, they very much need international cooperation, cooperation with the U.S., U.S. businesses, multinational businesses, in order to move up the value chain of of technology, of course, access to our markets and so forth. But on the other hand, they've been uh, uh, acting in very provocative ways that is causing not just us, but our allies in in Europe and, and Asia and Australia to say, uh, you know, we've had enough. Uh, you've been also responsible on, on COVID-19 and we wanted investigation. So there is this big contradiction. So what's the role of government specific, <clears throat> excuse me, of government specifically in all of this? Obviously, we need to have a relationship. China is, you know, when it's interesting, we did the Bloomberg New Economy Forum and we talked about um, finance and trade. We talked about global cities. We talked about the climate. We talked about global health. And a question came out up during one of the many sessions, and it was like, well, do we have to think about China? Do we have to worry about China? And someone said, yeah, you got to think about China with everything that's going on in this world. They matter. So how do we figure out the right strategy, the right policy for a nation, a government, an economy that matters so much in a world, but one that I think it's safe to say that many disagree with. Yeah, that's that's the big challenge. So we have uh, areas where we absolutely do need to cooperate, and that's in uh, commercial relations. Uh, they're um, a big market for 
so many of our own of our own goods, and and the technology relationship is interrelated. Uh, but I think we've started, and we can do a better job of this, to to craft policies that restrict our highest end technology. And we have to do this in concert with our allies from getting into the wrong hands in China, uh, and and we'll see more of that uh, under the Biden administration. Uh, but but we also need to make sure that China knows, you know, through our presence throughout uh, Asia, uh, Japan, and around China, and through our military presence and diplomatic presence, that China knows that there's a high price to pay for throwing out the order, the the world order that has served it so well. So it's a, it's extremely complicated. We have to we have to move along the diplomatic track and find ways to trade and and do commerce with China, while at the same time not allowing China to overturn uh, the order or bully or coerce countries into doing its bidding. So just got about 40 seconds. We're going to do some news and we'll come back. So then for the incoming Biden administration, they need to continue to some extent uh, the strategy with China of the past administration, the Trump administration? Well, I'll I'll signal say they will uh, in, Mm. in many dimensions. I think they want to lower the the tone. Uh, of the relationship, but in terms of uh, the the pushback against certain malign behaviors, every indication is they they want to continue with that, and there's broad bipartisan political support for pushing back against uh, various uh, different kinds of malfeasance. Dan, what worries you the most about China? What worries me the most about China is a grave mil- miscalculation in terms of its its pushing around Taiwan or or pushing around a country going too far, thinking that the United States won't come to one of its allies or partners' defense. I think that miscalculation on China's part uh, is really worrisome. I'm not as worried as uh, Henry Kissinger is about an inevitable conflict, but there is so much military power being brought to bear around uh, China's periphery by China um, that I think China could miscalculate, and that would be a catastrophe. Well, it's, you know, it is really interesting. I mean, we obviously look at it from, you know, China from a lot of different perspectives here at Bloomberg, obviously the political perspectives and the trade perspectives. Um, But it was really fascinating for us in the last few weeks to see the pushback against someone like a Jack Ma of Alibaba and, of course, the Ant Financial IPO, because it's interesting, as we talked about at the top, this contradiction that we kind of see from Xi and China in that, they want to be on the global stage. They want to be perceived, you know, certainly as a much more developed economy. They want to play in the big industries, certainly develop them domestically. And there you have, you know, a star when it comes to, um, you know, kind of the t- the tech world and certainly the online world. And yet, because of things that Ma said, you know, he was really reined in. And it really put kind of a shutter over Chinese tech companies. Well, that's right. And... China under Xi Jinping is going in the wrong direction. There is no question that when Jack Ma was coming up as an entrepreneur, China allowed for much more free market activity and entrepreneurial activity. The state sector and control by the, the party under Xi Jinping of businesses has just grown. And it's it's a trend that's going to hurt China. It's going to a trend that's going to hurt the global economy. But that's a perfect example. Jack Ma, you, you would think, is untouchable. He says the wrong thing about regulators, and he's um, reeled in, as you said, by Xi Jinping. You know, and I also do wonder, you know, what is one of the things that you think most 
probably Americans or most people don't understand about China and the mission it's on. I mean, I've always been kind of amazed and awe, a little terrified about the, about these 10-year plans, but they do create a plan about where they want to go. And yet we have an economy here in the U.S. where it's often short-sighted, right? If you're public, you're thinking about the quarters. It's really hard to <clears throat> make those big investments. Um, what is it that you think that maybe some people are missing about the Chinese story and they and they have to make sure that they don't? Well, I, I think one big thing, particularly if you're interested in, in the markets and the economy, is that China had this big reform, uh, market reform plan that it undertook from 1989 or 1992 mm-hmm. uh, through, through the accession to the WTO. But they really reversed much of that in, in the latter parts of, of uh, let's say, t- 2008, 2009, they started taking on enormous amounts of debt, but they also started to change their political system in ways that wouldn't s- support market reform. They became extremely afraid of if if they opened up too much, their free market too much, that other Western influences about political liberty would, would seep into the system. So they've clamped down. I, I don't think people know enough about that. They started clamping down on uh, this type of behavior, free markets uh, and and freedom of speech, in 2008, 2009, it's just been uh, going downhill from there. With China pursuing these strategies and all these things that you know, Dan, can they hit some of the growth rates that they have been laying out at this point? We know that recently uh, Chinese President Xi said the economy can double in size by 2035 and that the country can reach high income status in the next five years. And this has to do with the Communist Party's ambitious plans for the nation's future. You know, can they get there, especially when I see some of the and some of the tactics that you are laying out right now in terms of um, how they are clamping down, whether it's on human rights, uh, when they're pushing back on some of their successful business folks? Um, how do you see it? I don't think they can get there mm. unless they unless they return to the path of of market reform. So, just from a economic efficiency point of view, they're they're facing a lot of trouble. Also, you know, many times countries in, in China's situation, which are, um, you know, sort of trapped in, you know, what they call the middle income trap, mm-hmm. innovate, their way, innovate their way out of it. There's no question that China is spending a lot on R&D uh, from, from the state, you know, technology, and they'll, they'll have some payoffs from that. But in terms of really setting up the, the rule of law, efficient capital markets, protection of intellectual property, uh, letting entrepreneurs like uh, Jack Ma continue to invent and innovate—that's going in the wrong direction. So I don't, I don't see it. And then, of course, there's this huge demographic lag where they're getting old so quickly. I mean, in 2030, yeah. they will have the same demographic picture as Europe. And that wraps up our Bloomberg Business Week Extra podcast with Dan Blumenthal, Director of Asian Studies at the conservative think tank American Enterprise Institute. His new book, The China Nightmare, The Grand Ambitions of a Decaying State. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to listen to Bloomberg Business Week Radio airing live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser, and this is Bloomberg.